You have been cordially invited to the Eternal Slumber Party. today he was like is there a place i should be able to see you guys and i was like god no <laughs> no kirsty would never allow also i got my first bummer news of like the last two weeks no uh my my therapist doesn't take my new insurance <gasps> no what are you gonna do so he's been charging me an out-of-pocket price right now which is not the actual out-of-pocket price that's not the worst so I guess. what he said is if if worth like to see what their out-of-pocket costs are or out-of-network costs are and if not we'll just continue doing this and i was like okay like that's fine for a brief moment i thought i could get free therapy but nope the universe was too good for too long <sighs> yeah are you ready to talk about stranger things i'm skipping the whole intro i don't even care i got nothing <laughs> to talk about the only thing i want to talk about is Stranger Things Season 1, Episode 1 and 2. Jumping right in. No, Spoilers. No, <laughs> no news and updates for the week. We're just going straight in for it. Oh, my God. Do we? Fine. We'll do some news and updates. Um, What's going on with you? What's your news? What's your update? I got the apartment. Oh, that's exciting. That's right. You did. Uh, my mom is helping, like, essentially getting me a ticket to go see Cirque du Soleil. That's fun. I'm so excited. I love Cirque Desolet. So yeah, excited for that. Any Taylor updates? God, I'm, so I was just thinking the other day, actually, I'm like, I, as I listened to the podcast, I'm like, I mentioned Taylor Swift every single week. I want to try to see if I can go a week without mentioning Taylor Swift. And I can't do it because she keeps doing things. I do not think that she is dating Travis Kelsey. Is that his name? That is the, yeah, that's the Chiefs player. I don't think they're dating. And everyone who's like, oh, Jason Kelsey confirmed it. I do not think the statement saying, I think 100% he's dating her. That does not sound like a confirmation from someone's brother. Okay? If my brother was to say, I think 100% she's dating Dr. Boyfriend, I'd be like, do you not know who I'm dating? Do you not know anything about your sibling? I also do not think that her team would allow for like this kind of thing, like for how close her team is for what is allowed to be said about her and like what people say in all of these NDAs. I don't think so. I also think it's incredibly like suspicious that these things are dropping the same time her track list is supposed to be announced. And everyone's Googling Taylor Swift. You mean to tell me that when everyone is Googling Taylor Swift, they're not going to also get some hits on the Kelsey brothers? Yeah, bullshit. Bullshit. Keep her name out of your fucking mouths. Go birds. Oh, also, I need to lead you in a football chant uh, because I support the Colorado University, the CU Buffs. And okay. they won in overtime against CSU and fuck CSU. So I'm going to teach you some chants. I'm going to teach you some things. Uh -uh. Okay, okay. I'm really excited um, because we won because they get played against CSU and for you. my college also hates CSU. 
Okay. So it sucks to be a CSU Ram. We're going to, it sucks to be a CSU Ram. And please feel free to join in at any moment. Okay. Okay. I said it sucks to be a CSU Ram. I said it sucks to be a CSU Ram. Is that just the whole thing? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. I was hoping you would join in around the second one oh, so we can try oh, again. Okay. Do you want me to count you in or? Go go for it. And a five, six, seven, eight. I said it sucks, <laughs> it sucks to be a CSU Ram. I said it sucks to be a CSU Ram. It's okay. We'll get there. Um, and if I say oh. scobops, then you hit me back with the scobops. So if you would like to try this, say Sco scobuffs? SKO. Scobuffs. 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 Yeah, just like that. Just like that. Cool. This feels this feels like the day that the Eagles were in the Super Bowl and I walked around downtown and everyone just went, Go birds, go birds. Hey man, go scobuffs. Birds. Go birds. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, so if I start chanting, it sucks to be a CSU Ram, just join in with the energy. And if I say Scobuffs, then you echo back a Scobuffs. Okay. I understand. I'll do my best. Fuck em up, fuck em up, go see you. And now we can talk about Stranger Things. Okay. Stranger Things. Wow, that was a chaotic intro. <laughs> that was so chaotic. Wow. Fitting. Fitting. Um... Stranger Things is the whole reason that we it's the whole reason we're doing this entire podcast. Um, names that we almost called this podcast was Corroded Consciousness, but I don't know how to spell consciousness consistently enough to where I said we couldn't use that name. I mean, then you also couldn't spell eternal. That's true. But in my defense, I was reading a webcomic at the same time that's eternal nocturnal. So I didn't even think to spell check in my brain. But I definitely cannot spell consciousness. I can spell eternal now. Um Spoilers for Stranger Things are incoming. We are talking specifically about just episode one and two. Of season one. Of season one. Uh, we will be talking about the rest of this season uh, for the next few weeks. Um, by the time this is up, I should also have our schedule posted so you know what episodes we are going to be talking about each week for the foreseeable future. Also, I will aim to have it out by the time that this episode releases. We have a YouTube channel up and running, and on that YouTube channel, there's going to be a special Stranger Things-themed surprise. And if it's up by the time this episode's out, then you should probably have already seen it. Uh, but we tried the Scoops Ahoy ice cream. But we I won't had, say too much. I had an adventure getting them today. I can't wait. You should tell the story in the YouTube video, though. I will. I will. Okay. I'm just saying it's an adventure. People have to tune in to see it. Check out our YouTube. Also, full episodes will be on the YouTube. There's not going to be video. I'm sorry. We're just not ready for that yet. But our nice, pretty logo will be on the screen. And that's just as good as our faces. If not better, quite frankly. Honestly, probably better. Hey, everyone. This is uh, future Kirsty, future Margot coming in hot to say... Sorry, that video doesn't exist. Oops. Oopsie. We uh we didn't get good framing for the recorded video we did. I thought I could save the live from TikTok and I could not. So not sure what happened there. We don't have the video. Just wanted to say doesn't exist. 
Sorry. But we can tell them our rating. Yeah. Uh, here's our rating. Worst one, The Void, the black vanilla ice cream. Terrible taste. Yeah, tasted like chemicals. Tasted like chemicals. It was awful. It was the worst. Number six. Was the chocolate pudding. Chocolate pudding were not chocolate people, not chocolate ice cream people. Yeah, neither of us like chocolate ice cream. Whoopsies. Not that good. Number five, pineapple upside down. Kirstie didn't like it. I didn't mind it. It just was kind of weird to me. A lot going on at once. Pineapple and salted caramel together is a weird combo. I am going to eat it tonight, though. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, number number four. Mint flare, right? Yeah, I think it was mint flare because like it wasn't bad. It was just not our favorite. Like It was good. I would recommend mint flare. Yeah. Four out of seven is not terrible. Four out of seven, not bad. Would recommend. Number three was triple decker extravaganza cereal it just tasted like cereal and breakfast no, it tasted like waffles right it was like waffle. so maple -y. yeah there was like a waffles, lot of maple which, like, makes sense but um a lot of maple in there not bad but number one and two is where margo and i disagreed we had flip-flopped ratings so my number one was the USS Butterscotch. And my number one was the Cinnamon Bun Bites. Yep, because I'm a sucker for salted caramel. And I I love cinnamon rolls. I love cinnamon. It's so good. And I'm probably going to chow down on that tonight. Yeah. The mint flare's already gone. Already gone. <laughs> already demolished. Love that for you. Um. You, we did divvy up the ice creams. Uh, we just threw away the void because it was terrible and tasted like chemical. Um, I realized, I think we only did two rock, paper, scissors, but you beat me in two. We we're going to do three out of five. And I just gave up after two. Oh, because it was two out of three. <laughs> yeah, we did two out of three instead of three of five, but it did not matter. Margot kicked my ass and she got uh, to take mint flare and I ended up with the chocolate pudding. Which will probably, I don't know, maybe I'll make it with a milk, like make a milkshake or something. Yeah, there you go. Put some alcohol in it. Ayo. Ayo. That's an idea. But yeah, um, once again, so sorry. The video does not exist of us trying it. Uh, we will be better next time. Do better. We're learning, we're trying. We're learning, we're trying, and most importantly, we're having fun. Yeah, that's that was true. a We're lot of fun. fun. Uh, we'll maybe do more live streams in the future. We'll keep you posted and try to give more warning. Um, YouTube isn't happening either. <laughs> Someday, maybe eventually. But right now, we're doing what we're capable of. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Um, back to podcast Margot and Kirsty. Take, take us out, ladies. Episode one. So... Oh, wait, we have to do a synopsis, right? We should... Uh... Yes, Stranger Things, season okay. one, episode one, synopsis. Wait, before. I want to know where you were when you first watched this show. I... So this came out in 2016. So I would have been a sophomore in college, watching it on... Uh, watching it at my very first apartment after finals with thai food 
and I would have binge watched it in a day because that's exactly what I did after finals is I would watch a new Netflix show with my Thai food to decompress. I love it. I love it. And I was like, well, this is probably just going to be my personality for the rest of my life now, isn't it? Um, and it, it really did become part of my personality for the rest of my life. Where were you? So I didn't watch it when it first launched. I didn't watch it until August of 2016 because I think it came out in the summer, but I didn't watch it until like August or so or like August or so. I think it was end of August. I was in my junior year dorm room sitting at the silly dorm room desk that's in every single dorm room that you mm -hmm. all have with my iMac computer because this was back when I had an iMac and I was going to be a photographer and I had all the fancy computer stuff. And it was the week before school, like when you move into the dorm and everything, binged all of it within like two days. Wow. And then that Halloween, the print shop that I worked in, like the digital printing shop, decorated the entire thing, Stranger Things themed, made an entire like wall with all the letters and the lights and stuff. And like decorated, like dressed up as Steve and like, oh, it was so great. That's so much fun. Um, so I will say the little synopsis that I get off of Google every yeah, time. Yeah, synopsis. <clears throat> In 1980s Indiana, a group of young friends witnesses su witness supernatural forces and secret government exploits. As they search for answers, the children unravel a series of extraordinary mysteries. Which I would say is a pretty accurate description of the show. Yes. Accurate without like super explaining everything. Yeah. Do you want to read the episode? Should we read the episode descriptions? Yeah, let's read the episode descriptions. Okay. Uh, so let's start with the first that? one. Yeah, let's start with the first one. Cool. Let me pull up Netflix to get those episode descriptions. Okay, so chapter one, The Vanishing of Will Byers. On his way home from a friend's house, young Will sees something terrifying. Nearby, a sinister secret lurks in the depths of a government lab. Chapter 2. The Weirdo on Maple Street. Lucas, Mike, and Dustin try to talk to the girl they found in the woods. Hopper questions an anxious Joyce about an unsettling phone call. That? Okay, the first one makes perfect sense. The second description doesn't even touch on what happens. <laughs> So I separated my notes out into both episodes because I was like, "Some I'm going to forget. So did I. So did I. Um, I also made very careful notes of the dates in the show because of a line in Thank season you. four. Thank you. I have been keeping really careful notes. Um, I have also started what I call the Nancy bullshit counter, where I count every <laughs> episode how many times she says bullshit because Until of season. my favorite moment in season two exactly where she is drunk as hell and is it's bullshit it's all bullshit steve it's all bullshit steve um so i have started the nancy wheeler bullshit counter so that we can see how many times an episode she says bullshit I um this. i will start off this episode by saying disappointingly across two episodes only one bullshit in episode one Okay, but she's still a goody girl at this point. Like, she's still goody two-shoes, like... She's good, sweet Nancy Wheeler. Good, um, sweet Nancy Wheeler living yeah. in her 16 Candles fantasy. Um, Which I... I loved this episode. I love the way that they introduce all of the characters in that oh. little D&D &D moment. I, d I loved that. Um, I do want to say that... So we start 
on November 6th, 1983 okay. in Hawkins, okay. Indiana, when Will goes missing. We open and it is 8 p.m. in their house. And we know this because Mrs. Wheeler says that she just put Holly down. The boys have to go. And Mike is like, please let me play for just a little bit longer. We've been playing for 10 hours, which those boys would have gotten to get had to get there so early in the morning. Unless they slept over. They could have slept over, but if they slept over, why wouldn't have they have started Saturday night and then played all of Sunday and finished it? It seems like they started Sunday. Unless um, they started Saturday night and played Sunday and the 10 hours was not 10 hours in a row. That's very fair. Yeah. Oh, I also did have this note in there. In case of emergency, use the stairs. Never use the elevator for the first guy who gets got. <laughs> I'm like... I was stressed out when he's like just pressing the button. I'm like, dude, use the stairs. Use the stairs. Why aren't you using the stairs? Just there, go to the stairs. Were there stairs? Um, if it's a government facility, you would have to have stairs. You have to have a fire exit. You can't just use the elevator. What if the power goes out? But it was the 80s. Yeah, I think I've been in buildings from the 80s that still have stairs and an elevator. Right, fair enough. I'm just saying, I'm going to call OSHA and have them inspect that government lab because does not seem up to code. I weirdly I think that's the least going to be the least of OSHA's worries when they inspect that lab to that yeah um I forget that Mike was the DM I'm gonna just like spitfire some random thoughts that I had I okay. definitely forgot that Mike was the DM I would have thought it was Will because Will's the DM in the later series before Eddie's introduced to us because no one wants to play I think the they DM trade anymore. I think they trade off who is the DM. I think they all come up with their own campaigns and stuff. That makes sense. I forgot that it was Mike season one. Oh. Yeah. Um, I also did love how Will looks like Marty McFly. <laughs> My exact really note is Will and his Marty McFly looking ass. My first note was literally just babies with a bunch of exclamation points because they're just little babies. They. I feel like Dustin looks like the babiest of the babies. The babiest of the bait, but also Will. Yeah, no, he also looks quite young. They're all so little. 2006, they're, so little. they're all so little. So little. Um, What else do you have? What other big thought, like small thoughts do you have? I love the throwaway line about Nancy dressing up as an elf to play D&D with them. At some point, okay. that's something that she did. Thought process I had about that. They're what, 11 in this? 12? I think they're about 12. Which means that he says, yeah, she did this when we four years ago. Which means that they started playing D&D at eight years old. Yeah. That seems really young. It does seem really young, but the thing I've noticed throughout the entirety of the Duffer Brothers show running experience with Stranger Things is they don't seem to know how ages work. Because <laughs> Eddie is supposed to be a super senior, repeating his senior year three times, but he and Chrissy would have been in middle school together to the point where he would have recognized her and she would have recognized him, meaning they would have been much closer in age, but she's, like, not a senior. I thought she was a senior. Is she a senior? I thought she was a junior. I thought she was, I think, we'll have to discuss that when we get to season four. But regardless, if he's supposed to be three years older than her, he would be three grades above her. So I don't think that she would have been 
like she would be three years younger than him he people think he's 20 but also also on his missing poster it puts his age at 17 so are the duffer brothers trying to tell me that he skipped enough years to where he would have been 14 in his senior year and then repeated that three times i think i think that we're gonna just have to address the elephant in the room right off the bat which is that the duffer brothers are kind of idiots right so when they're saying four years ago they were starting to learn how to play DD and Ansi dressed up as an elf i don't think they understand how young eight years old is i also think that that's just gonna have to be the um the suspending your disbelief portion of this is just that the duffer brothers are the ages. really all the, the ages. ages the time frames the the timelines the the duffer brothers don't like the small details the duffer brothers want to do big hits because i looked up uh when dustin and will are racing and dustin's like if you beat me to my house i'll give you any comic you want i looked it up it is x-man 134 and that is Mm -hmm. the beginning of the dark phoenix saga Mm -hmm. which i feel like parallels introducing 11 and her psychic powers so right. they love a foreshadow moment, especially because Will's like the Demogorgon got me to Mike. I want you to know I rolled a seven. I failed the Demogorgon got me. Yeah. The Demogorgon gets him. We mm-hmm. have the one, three, four X-Men comic. The Duffer brothers are good at storytelling because they want to do these big hits and connect these big plot points and have these big foreshadowing moments. But when it comes to small details and little things, they overlook it and they just don't care. Yeah. Which like kind of sucks because like this could be truly impeccable, amazing good if they did take the time to think about those non plot point moments. Yeah. Well, because another thing I have written down is when Will is running into the shed, whose gun is this? Who taught Will how to load the gun? I, okay. So here's my assumption on this. This is my suspension of disbelief is Lonnie probably in an effort to like connect with Will but also possibly it's the 80s it's a small town you live out by the woods self-defense hunting to me I was like okay I could find excuses in my brain for this I can believe that they would have a gun if it's Lon if it's Lonnie's gun it's Lonnie's gun but Lonnie doesn't live there anymore so why would he leave his gun because it's not like that's the cheapest thing but for Will to be able to like very quickly load it he obviously would have had to have someone intently teach him how and it doesn't seem like Lonnie's that interested in doing so maybe Jonathan would have honestly it could have been Joyce it could have been Joyce but Joyce just doesn't seem the type like with how Instas like she gets frantic really quickly. That makes me think she's not going to be the person reaching for the gun first. At least in season one, yes. At least in season one, season one, Joyce. But I'm also trying to look at this and watch this from a lens of watching just episode one and two because otherwise we would never be able to shut up because we'd be talking about all of the seasons at once. So that's like one of the issues that I have. They also didn't flush out a lot of these characters by this point. Because if yeah. they had, because they said that they weren't going to have Steve come back, but people love Steve so much they wrote him into the rest of the series. 
Right. And they killed off Eddie, not realizing how popular Eddie was going to be. Like, like they just, they don't think yeah. this whole, there's a quote going around somewhere that they're like, we've planned this ending since even season one. And it's like, no, you didn't. There's you no didn't way plan you shit. Have. You didn't plan shit for any season. Like, you I didn't, didn't even plan shit. They didn't plan shit. But I just, it was one of those things where it's like, and I did ask, like, so if Joyce owns the gun, did she teach Will? And it just doesn't seem like a thing that she would have taught him. Because from how we see Joyce interacting with Will and how she's reacting to Will, she seems to baby him so much that I think that she wouldn't have let him, like, no, it's too dangerous, you can't touch the gun. So the fact that Will does True. this, it just True. seems to kind of be this question mark to me. Is like, who taught Will how to hold the gun, how to shoot the gun? How is Will so comfortable getting it, filling it up, putting it in. And it's not like in Hawkins, it doesn't seem like wildlife is that big of an issue around there because they're just walking through the woods without a care in the world, just holding flashlights. No one else has like a weapon in case that there's a bear or anything. Maybe, but also remember in further seasons, hunters are... um. And even further in this season, I think hunters are referenced a lot. So hunting is a common thing in the area. Yeah, but around Will's house, it doesn't seem to be, I guess. No, like, I don't know. But then who's taking around... Will hunting? Is Joyce the one no, hunting? It's, it's true. And it might it might have been Lonnie. It might it like in one of his stupid things to try and connect with Will. It might have been um, Jonathan. It might like to me, it was just kind of like, OK, 80s small town like i guess to me growing up in an area that was kind of similar ish like it was a little bit more city but like i was the weird one for not having gone hunting and shot a gun before and maybe that's like the thing where i'm just too hung up but you don't see hunting be a part of any of the other three boys lives and they're in the same town and they have well with the exception of dustin because it seems like it's just dustin and his mom um, but you don't really see uh, Mike or Lucas talking about hunting or referencing hunting or anything like that. I guess Lucas sometimes uses his slingshot. So I guess you that's, could make a case for that. But that's for him but, from his grandpa in from the Vietnam War. He specifically references um, his grandpa in the Vietnam War. Yeah. Um, I will so. also say this is the one season I don't rewatch. I rewatch season four and season two because I realize I love Babysitter Steve in season two so much. I I love season two. I I love every season. Every time I rewatch this, I rewatch every single season because I'm that's just who I am inside is a person who watches things completely. Fair enough. Um, One thing that's bothering me is that this season they have no portals and no goop for the majority of taking people into the upside down. And I want to know how the Demogorgon is doing that because in later seasons, there's always rifts and portals. I want to see have that. Goop. They did have goop. There was a little bit of goop. And I actually made a note of that in episode two. It's in all caps, finally some goop. Because that was something I was noting a lot, is that there's really no goop when Will is taken. There's no, like, open portal. There's no scars. There's no vines. But every other time you see something connected to the upside down, there is. And it was driving me insane. Also, could you hear a clock sound? Because I saw a lot of shit online that you could hear a clock. No. I couldn't hear a clock. There's no oh. clock sound. That's just people being fucking stupid. That's because like editing. I said, the Duffer brothers did not fucking plan for this. No, I know they didn't. Because there's also, it's in 
episode two let me find my note um he's talking about the last time a kid went missing and the last time someone committed suicide and he says it's in the 20s and 60s respectively but victor creel would have been happening in the 50s and for him to say like the worst thing to happen is like this woman having a bird caught in her hair or anything like that when this terrible tragedy of some guy killing his family would have happened in the 50s and he's still alive in a mental institution that doesn't come up in Hopper's little mindset. And that's where I'm like, the yeah. Duffers don't plan this shit because if you did, you would have mentioned that in that little spiel. You would have planted these little pieces of throwaway dialogue earlier on and you didn't and it's okay, but don't lie to me. Yeah, it's it's okay that you didn't plan. Totally okay with that. Like, just yeah. admit it. Um, What I was gonna say is the two scenes that we have with Will for most of this season happen they're the first two scenes of episode one that boy is acting as if his life depended on it rent was due and he had to make it work and yep. he fucking killed it like that to me was just like how can you have that short amount of screen time and impact so much and be that like i was like it made me fall in love. Every time I watch it, I fall in love with this show so much. Ugh. Because, like, truly every part of that, like, was just so good. And the cinematography for it. And, like, you could. But, like, the, the point to tie it in is they wanted that scene of the empty shed with basically being, like, what happened? So that they could build the rest of the season to explain what happened. So not having goop in there was probably their reasoning for that. I get it, but then for the rest of the time, you're connected to the upside down, you see goop. And up, like in the government lab, you see goop and vines. And then season two, it's all of these vines, and that's how we, the audience, know. So I'm just saying that I was annoyed. I'm like, why is there no goop? I know there's supposed to be goop, and there should be something there. There should be some kind of clue. And it, but I move on. I'll move on. Well, the, the I'll accept thing... it. I will, I'll have that be my thing that I just accept about the show is that there was no goop in the shed. Well, I think that it also shows, though, that they had little to no planning because as soon as you do start dissecting this show, it does. There are some pretty big holes. And one of the other ones is season one is the only time where you see the Demogorgon warp walls in an effort to get through. Yeah. Like that moment in episode two where Joyce looks over like because you can see like the lights flickering and then the radio turns on and then you see the wall warping that doesn't happen after yeah. season one yeah you really don't see that but I don't think that they knew what they wanted to do for the powers and they kind of had to walk some things back but moving on through the episode one it's now November 7th and the rest yes. of episode one takes place on November 7th not November 6th when Will went missing. Okay. Can I just say, Hopper standing outside when the sun's coming up, having a cigarette. Pill, brewski, brew, and a smoke. The breakfast try, champions. Trying to sober himself up. He's not trying to, like, to sober himself up. He is still drinking. He is Okay, trying to, trying to wake himself sober. up, trying to like get some sort of... My poor alcoholic heart saw that early morning cigarette just trying to like brace yourself against the cold to feel something and just was like 
I feel you, buddy. Oh, <laughs> buddy, we've been boy. there. I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> I just oh, I saw loved that it. and I was like, Pill, oh. brewski, smoke, breakfast of champions. Let's go, Hopper. We've all had a shower beer. Let's do it, my guy. Hopper Take that pill. Do the smoke. Damaged. He is. But he also makes no attempt to hide it. And everyone around is just kind of like, yeah, it's Hopper. He is a damaged, damaged man. And you just accept it. Yeah. Which I think is okay. Like, it it establishes his character. It's fine. He is such the 80s action hero. He's so damaged and broken because he doesn't have anything to care about. And through this season, you see him start to care about something. And you don't really know what that is until he starts talking about his daughter. And then you find out that his daughter died. And you get to know more about his daughter's death later on throughout the series. And I do think that the Duffers planned that. I think that, again, the Duffers planned big story beats. But I don't think that they planned for a lot of smaller details. Um, I think that that was such a good moment during the hunt to have him, like, talk to the teacher. And the teacher's like, oh, how old is she? Like, maybe I'll get her in my class. And he just goes, oh, she lives in the city with her mom. And then walks away, and the lady behind him comes up and goes, yeah, she died. She died (laughs) a few years ago. But, like, that moment of, like, he's going to just say, oh, no, she's in the city, move on, like, and then be like, no, actually, way worse. Like, that, that's, I don't know. I just really loved that moment. No, that was a really good moment. Um, Speaking of school, I am not a Jonathan fan. Don't really like Jonathan. Um, episode one, he is so paranoid when he's around 16, like he would have been around 16 when the show starts that I was like, oh God, no, because it's like, Joyce is like, you have to make sure Will's up. He's making them breakfast and he's not doing enough because Will's not up. What do you mean you weren't home when Will got home? And like, he is so paranoid, whereas Joyce babies Will to such an extreme that I'm just like, oh no, this is terrible. It's the classic divorce kid thing where the older kid has to step up and become the parent and the younger kid is extra babied. And when Jonathan does step up and he's like, okay, well, I took an extra shift. I thought we could use the extra money. I was, I got home late. I didn't think to look for Will. Whereas Will can't even be trusted to like, wake himself up for school, make his own breakfast, get himself to school. Like that has to be Jonathan's job because Joyce has to go to work. Like it just, it made me sad for Jonathan, even though I do not like Jonathan. Um, Then we kind of get like that little bullying where it's midnight frog face and toothless are the insults that these bullies could come up with. And Mm -hmm. I did say it's pretty unimpressive. I think they could have done better. Well, I mean, we will say, as far as, listen, I think Midnight, about as bad as we should go in that regard. That is, that is exactly what they should have said for Lucas. That is as, yep. but I'm also we like, Midnight don't... could also be like kind of cool, like sports nickname. So I'll accept Midnight. Yeah. Midnight's Frog face and toothless could be better. And then what? when Dustin does those little arm pop thing, I'm like, that's not that gross. Everyone pops their joints. Or it's like double flexible. Well, it's because he doesn't have collar boy. boy collar bones. Blinks. Collar bones. So it's like all, I don't know. I think. I didn't think it was that gross. 
I think like, these bullies is. need to be a little bit more imaginative in their bullying. This is not. This is too easy. <laughs> I think what that is was that. <laughs> I think the Duffer brother brothers, the Duffer brothers met Gaten and said, "We love you so much. We're you are Dustin, hands down. You're Dusty Bun. You are Dustin. Dustin is you." Let's give you this little scene to talk about all your special little stuff. <laughs> and I think Do that's what thing, happened. They just said, go for it, Dusty Buns. <laughs> Love it. Um, and then we transition. So is the middle school and high school, are they connected? They're So they're not connected, but it's like middle school and then within the same like cul-de-sac-ish or like area high school. So okay. it's like, cause you so can see- So they're really close to one another. Yeah, cause you can see in season two with Max and Billy, Max and like, they drop off, Max goes one direction to the middle school, like kind of up the hill slightly. And then Billy goes down to the high school. And in okay. season four, when they're looking for Erica, they oh, are at the high school right. and they look up the hill to where the middle school is. That's right. That's right. Because some of the cuts were a little bit weird for me because we cut from them being bullied to Barbara teasing Nancy about Steve. Yeah. They're they're close to each other. But um, I think that the Duffer brothers just didn't want to establish where they were in relation to each other for the first season and then kind of had to as the two groups like meshed together more. Yeah. Okay. Because I my only note when Barbara showed up was Barbara, baby, you deserve better. Barbara deserves her own San Junipero. She really does. Um, doesn't she have a book? Isn't there a Barb book? Is there a Barb book? I'll have to look it up because I know that there's uh Rebel Robin. And Rebel Robin, I guess I think it takes place around the season one, but it's all focused on Robin. And then we're getting an Eddie book soon. So I think there might be a book for Barb. Because there are these breakout characters that people just fall in love with. Oh, I What's... have to get this. Is, is it real? Does it exist? Rebel Robin does, for sure. Um... No, I do want Rebel Robin. I want the Eddie book. Also, I just want to say, can you imagine Barb and Robin together? They would have been such good friends. They would. I'm sorry, but Barb is gay. There's no way Barb's, she's not. Barb's a lesbian. She's Barb a lesbian. A... Oh what? my god. What? There is a Barb book. Oh, I knew I wasn't crazy. There's also a Lucas book. What? Called Lucas on the Line. There's also oh. a Stranger Things Edge of Darkness. An official... No, Stranger Things, Darkness on the Edge of Town, an official Stranger Things novel that came out February 25th of 2020. Wow, there's so many books. We're going to have to learn how to read. Oh, uh, my next note uh, is Steve showing up, and it's Joe, my sweet love, Joe Keery, which I just think is a really funny note. <laughs> um, Steve's hair, not as impressive this season. It gets better as he gets more flustered with the children. Uh, you know, the more he runs his fingers through his hair in desperation, the, more volume. the better it gets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, his hair is not that great, but he's such a cute little dreamboat. He is absolutely perfect. And I love it because he is so interested in Nancy. 
And Nancy's like so mean. She's like, you're an idiot, Steve Harrington. I need to study. You're so stupid. And he's just like, I love you. Please keep being mean to me. His little thing about like the teddy bear of like, we didn't mean to upset Miss Nancy. Like, I Oh my just- God. And then he's like, I'm sorry. I definitely crossed a line. And then he immediately goes back to studying. I'm like, good guy, Steve. I love him. He is such an upstanding guy. Love also, it. Also, the scene where Nancy takes her top off. Oh, and Stop, he that's just, episode two. I'm still trying to get through episode okay, one. Okay, I just, I love also. I made notes in episode order for a reason because I knew this would happen. Um, I'm just so dead one with quick, this season. One quick follow-up. Yeah. There are so many books. Okay, well, we'll read them and then choose our favorites and talk about them. Yes, 100%. Okay, so um, another thing I want to say. Winona Ryder, queen. Oh my god, Winona Ryder had rent due. She was like, Beetlejuice royalties are drying up. (sighs) Heather's royalties, non-existent. I gotta sell this shit. And she did. I do not think there is a single other person ever who could have been Joyce in any capacity of good. Like, the... Winona Ryder is just I think this scene like in I think it's it's in episode two but it's where she gets a new phone Mm -hmm. (laughs) she just and two weeks advance and a pack and a pack of camels no I made a note of that as well (laughs) I I just I um let me I love her so much I love her so much no, it was fantastic. And like I have a note somewhere. Oh, can I also talk about one of my favorite memes ever that was birthed out of this show and specifically what? the first episode? Yeah. It's when um Jonathan and Joyce are in the woods screaming for Will. Mhm. And it's just them going, "Will! Will!" I, the meme that was screenshots of that, captioned with me searching for my will to live. <laughs> I That's funny. One of my favorite memes of all time. I can't, I just love it. To this day, favorite. It's my favorite thing ever. It is also, are we ready to talk about Eleven? Not yet. Because okay. I need to say David Harbour also had rent due when he said coffee and contemplation. That scene is what sold me as David Harbour is the only person who could be Hopper because 100%. of coffee and contemplation. Also, the um, dynamic between the two of them, like that whole scene. Oh, my God. They and were like, endgame. They are in They're an old married couple. And like the anger and Joyce when it's like his clothes. Is there something wrong with his clothes? No, I don't know. <laughs> like, well, and then like the whole like, I don't know. He used to call him queer. Well, is he? <laughs> He's missing. <laughs> Yeah, like, oh, I love it. And then, I love it so much. Also, so just side note, they plant the seed about Will being gay in season, season one, episode, episode one. one. Oh my God, absolutely. Oh. Like, they planted it so soon. Um, Of all the things for them to plant, and then people are like, yeah. it's just propaganda. No! No, because <laughs> it's pretty on point. Um, And then, yeah. I have a note in here that literally just says, God, I love these kids. 
every yeah. interaction with Dustin and Lucas. <sighs> Perfect. I I loved. Um, so I said that Dustin correcting the Lord of the Rings to the Hobbit is exactly why he is the unofficial third host of this podcast. He <laughs> is our third host in and the theory. Reason? Because he would say, it's from Lord of the Rings. It's from the Hobbit. Does it matter? He asked. <laughs> he asked. He's he Dustin is the third host of this podcast. Hence my name in this lobby right now. I would die for Dustin. Yep. Fucking. Yeah. Oh, the scene where it's like. She tried to get naked and then just kept doing like he hands. can't get over <laughs> it. They can't. And then do you think she slept naked? Yeah, no, they can't get over it. And I was like, that is the funniest thing because that's exactly uh, what a twelve-year-old boy would focus on. Is that's the craziest 100%, thing? Hundred percent. I just. Oh my god! I the 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 interaction between those three boys, pristine on like how boys are like very very good um the moment when steve is trying to climb in the window and like pauses and just like puts his arm up and just like smiles at mike and mike just rolls his eyes and bikes away i i don't think there is 15 seconds in this series that makes me happier than that mm -hmm. moment just if only Steve knew the pain in the ass that Mike was going to become to him. <laughs> God, if anyone knew what a pain in the ass Mike was going to become. Oh my God. You know what? Which, I, I have to say Jonathan knew. Jonathan knew because Jonathan was always kind of lukewarm on Mike. I have to say though, season one Mike, I'm okay with so far. Episodes I'm not a Mike two. hater in season one. Season one. I'm okay with Mike. I think that he is doing a really nice thing, just being really precious to, to Eleven, which we will get to. But, like, and his whole, like, we need to go look for Will. Our best friend is missing. What do you mean we're just going to sit here? Like, let's fucking go. Let's go, girls. Um, Yeah. Which, that is such a middle school mentality. Um, And I, I put that in my notes. Like, it's such a middle schooler mentality where it's like, well, Will rolled a fireball instead of casting protection he helped the party so the party has to help will and i'm like that is exactly what a 12 year old thought process would be go off queen let's meet 11 which i would like to say the chef interacting with 11 and just like interrogating her with all of these questions i'm like he has never interacted with a child before and okay, it but also i kind of love benny and i wish we had more of benny benny is exactly who hopper turns out to be I know. And I did see the foreshadowing of like Eleven having to fight to find that person for her. Like he wasn't just going to be given to her. Yeah. And like I totally saw that. I just R.I.P. Benny. He deserved more in this world. Like he was really but trying then, to do the best. Like I forgot that Benny and Hopper were friends. So Hopper oh, yeah. finding the suicide um, was rough. That line where he was like, oh, you must feel like a big city cop again. He goes, yeah, well, they were strangers. It's different when it's your mm -hmm. friend. Like, that man is damaged. Yeah, like, that hurts. That hurt it. That, that hurt my soul. That and really hurts. I had a note, and I wish I could go back and check. Um, I want to try to go back and see how many people does Eleven witness dying? Because so far, we're 
like in the series, like the same way I'm doing the Nancy Wheeler bullshit counter. I kind of want to go back, but that's a much darker counter. We should we should count that, but also we should count how many people Eleven's killed. That's true too. I do want to see how many people because that girl needs therapy. Because she killed two people escaping from the place, didn't she? Um, so we escaping never see them. The, but we the, never see the... a dead body, so it's ambiguous. And I want to only count confirmed on-screen kills. Okay. So another thing that hurt my soul, on a lighter note, Eleven eating those french fries by the fucking handful, not even by the handful, picking the entire amalgamation up and just eating it straight. Like, I was like, girl's yeah. never seen french fries before in her life. Millie Bobby Brown, um, she's great. She's a, st- a rock star, all-star, superstar actress. She really is. Like, she really... And that was... I remember my dad watching the show and being like, the girl who plays Eleven is amazing. Like, she just kills it. And also, I want to point out, this is going to be a little bit of a callback to last week with that monstrosity that shall not be named. But we talked about having a character not say much and wait a long time to speak. This show does it right. It's true. Uh, having Eleven wait so long to say something. And then she, or the first thing she says is no. And like it's, it was really powerful. And I... I got to see Millie Bobby Brown as a guest um, at Denver Fan Expo a few years ago. And she was so, and at first it's, you know, like she was still younger. I think this was right when season three was about to come out. Okay. Um, So you don't really know like how she's going to act. Like she's still kind of young. She's still new to the world. This is before the Enola Holmes. This is really before... Like, she's popular, but it's right before she, like, really popped off and became the Netflix darling she is. Yeah. she was funny. She was personable. She made the entire crowd, like, just fall head over heels with her. And it's one of those things where it's, like, that is such a skill to have as an adult actor that she has as a child. And that's both fascinating and terrifying to me that she can work a room so well. Well, also remember, she was kind of thrust into the star spotlight with Stranger Things. Yeah. Like, as she was 11. Like. Yeah. So I would have been seeing her when she was probably like, maybe 13, 14. I don't know how fast they filmed things. I don't remember. I don't remember either. It was before season three. Maybe it was right when season two was like a thing. How long was her hair? It was pretty short, but it wasn't like the buzz that she had. It was a little bit longer. Yeah. So it was probably between season two and season three because season two she had like the short curly hair and then three she had the shoulder length. Yeah. So I think it was right before season three aired. Um, And it was just she was great. And I really am excited to like continue to see her grow. Um, I'm very happy that she's engaged. I don't think she's been married yet. But honestly, I just want the best for her because like her and the rest of the rest of these kids, her and the rest of these kids, they all have such talent. And I think that was the thing about this show is that like for all of the Duffer Brothers faults, they cast this 
perfectly. There is not a single person that throws off the vibe of this show in any way, shape, or form. Every single person, for better or for worse, whether you love the character or hate the character, cast Mm -hmm. perfectly. And that was actually another thing that I have. um, What is the doctor's name? I just have Papa written down, but it's not like... I also just refer to him as Papa. Okay. The way that they present him on screen as well in the first two episodes, you get immediately that he is a force to be fucking reckoned with. He's scary. He's scary. Like, He's scarier truly... to me than the Demogorgon. I would rather face the Demogorgon than Well, Papa. and even the scene like when they, they get out of the van and it's like, feet jump out, feet jump out, and then you see his foot come out and it's just the bass drop immediately of like, this yeah. is the bad guy like they and they did it in a way that wasn't heavy-handed but like you know he's fucking scary and at this point remember we only know that he's looking for 11 and that will has gone missing and they're trying to find yeah. 11 that's all we know oh Which, my god do you think okay that's see, an episode two yeah do you think we're gonna see negative health impacts because every time like the adult from the lab interact with the upside down they're always wearing like these hazmat suits whereas the kids have like gone in and out of the upside down like free ball in it and i really want to know if there's going to be negative health impacts that we see like in a fast forward from the death for brothers because they kind of have alluded to that with the uh vietnam chemical stuff and how hopper's daughter died yeah so I'm really well, curious to see if that's going to come back because that would be something I could see them like really heavily foreshadowing is like, this is dangerous and goop, the goop is evil and the goop is going to kill us all. Right. The only thing I would think about is it might also just be that they're wearing hazmat suits because they don't know what they're going to find. But I guess there there is a scene somewhere i think it happens in season two with the second doctor talking about the levels inside of there and stuff yeah i think i remember that but that all kind of gets counterpointed in season four i just i'm curious because I, i'd like to see them I'm touch curious on it too yeah that's a world building thing i'd like um i'd also like to say because i've been keeping very careful notes on what day it is they find l on november 7th will goes missing on november 6th so Mike's saying that the night, so the night they left Will is not the night that they met at 11. So season four is saying that it was the best night of his life is still a liar because he was terrified that Will was dead. Yeah, it was the first day that he knew his friend was missing. Even if yeah. it wasn't the day that Will went missing, he was dealing with his friend being gone within 24 hours. Well, because I know a lot of people are like, the day that he met Eleven is the day that Will went missing. And so him calling, like the whole thing with that speech, which we can get into when we actually review it and talk about it more. That's going to be an episode in itself. <sighs> oh my God. The Mike hater in me cannot wait to just shit talk Mike. Not Finn <laughs> Wolfhard. I would like to say Finn Wolfhard also has rent due every episode he's acting like his life depends on it that's the mafia is holding his family hostage and he's given the performance (laughs) of his life that's the thing all these all these kids are so good at acting and i think another good example of this is season two billy you fucking hate him oh god yeah but dacre fucking dacre killed it. it 
Um, um anyways, are we yeah. okay? So this kind of wraps up episode one. Yes. Meeting eleven in the rain wraps up episode one, and now we're in episode two. I will say I like the episode transitions because I think that this is Ugh. one of the first times Netflix really capitalized on the binge watching where yes. each episode mm -hmm. blends into itself and the start of one episode just, picks up exactly where it less left. I off. had to actively stop myself from continuing into episode three. I had to be like, wait, 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 I can't just let it go. But this is the exact moment because what, what year did you say came out? 2016? Mm -hmm. That was exactly when binge became a thing. It was like they had success with Orange is the New Black, but the mm -hmm. storytelling of Orange is the New Black, it always, I feel like, I'll have to go back and check, because I feel like Orange is the New Black didn't start with these cold opens, and they didn't capitalize on the storytelling of binge watching, and I feel like that's what Stranger Things does so, so well, especially in this first season, is they will start the episode with, like, the next shot, and it feels more like a commercial break in between episodes, yeah. instead of an entirely new episode so you can really just continue watching which i love and which is hate because i had to do the same thing where but, i'm like oh i can only watch two episodes <laughs> well and also that's why like the in season four the last two episodes being so long it doesn't feel like you're like it's that long because the whole thing from season one to season four all just feels like one continuation of a story yeah um my first note for episode two is why is jonathan so weird uh mine was how do they sneak in 11 into the basement that was what i was curious about um probably by scouting the mom being busy with something because it doesn't seem like they pay that much attention which i do have the note wills or mike's mom really does try her best in season one she really tries she is doing what she can and then i think she gives up in season two she's like fuck these kids I'm <laughs> i mean she did have like government officials come to her house and like all this different shit Your like... kids were hiding a fugitive <laughs> and she's like fuck it i'm done um and then yeah i was just talking about like how then it was just kind of like the same thing where it's like, oh, we already touched on it, but how Dustin was so hung up on like her trying to change in front of them. My like, my note in this moment is literally, once again, I love Lucas and Dustin so goddamn yeah. much. Um, I did make special note that it's called the Penhurst Mental Institution. I like made that like same I made that same note, but I think I thought about it a little bit more. I think there are multiple institutions called Penhurst. I feel like um, there are multiple across the country. There's not just one here. No, of course. I'm not saying like for the entire country, but I want to see if that's what they call it in season four. If that's like where Victor Creel is. Because mm -hmm. I want to know how, like I'm trying to keep very careful note for the continuity of this show. But, they, but technically he's not in the Penhurst Asylum. Technically he's in the lab. No, that's Henry. Victor is the dad. Henry is one. Victor Creel is the dad that he framed. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, 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 yep. It's okay, I got you. Um, I also felt really bad that Jonathan was parenting Joyce. 
through the second episode. I know. I I did I did find it a little bit relatable in the moments in which like Jonathan would have to be like, Mom, it's okay. Like, I'm going to come for you. And then she would have to go back to Jonathan and be like, no, Jonathan, it's okay. Like, you could very much tell that they were struggling. They have a strained relationship. Yeah. But they're trying their best to be there for each other. And obviously, Jonathan has felt like he's had to grow up more, which is why I think he's isolated from the rest of the kids in high school. Because he feels like he has to be more of an adult than they are. Like, they're very poor. And he has he's kind of realized what it means to be an adult that most of these kids don't. Mm-hmm. And they're very cruel to him for that. Um, and, like, you can definitely see that there is this very othering curse. Like, he is just very weird and very creepy. Um, he and Nancy in the first two episodes are very much foils to each other in that. And, like, I know that the Duffer brothers have talked about this. Like, the idea of Nancy's story was very much she was in a different movie. Like, everyone else is dealing with, like, horror movies stranger things like he will's gone missing and nancy is in an 80s romance like they've specifically said that that's what they were going for and yeah i think that i think that nancy and jonathan are kind of foils to each other in that like she is what she's just a young high school living this young life and he's like hi my whole world is turned upside down and also I'm already acting like a dad. Which I will say, Steve to Jonathan, he sees that he's putting it up and he's like, I feel bad for him. And he expresses sympathy right off the bat. Then yeah. his friends are assholes. Like whatever the fuck their names are, I don't remember. But I don't 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 know, don't care. Don't care. They're not they're inconsequential. Um, Except for that guy has so, so many freckles. Jealous yeah. of that man's freckles. But, like, they are very mean, like, oh, he's so weird, what a freak. And then Nancy goes over and she's nice. And I think that is the moment where Jonathan starts to kind of develop feelings for Nancy. Because Nancy's like, I'm sorry, this sucks. I'm sure he's okay. And she's providing comfort to Jonathan. Where he's not able to get that from his mom because his mom is so, is so stuck in grief and so freaked out. He has to kind of be the voice of reason. Where I think yeah. Nancy being like, it's going to be okay means so much to Jonathan and you kind of see that's where I think that's like the moment where I can see Jonathan becoming in love like falling in love with Nancy um I hate that because if we fast forward to the party Jonathan is standing outside those fucking bushes like a goddamn creep I have notes I have notes about this take it away now listen here I am just going to brag for 30 seconds. I have a fucking degree in photography. Emphasis on 35 millimeter film, which would be what Mr. Jonathan there is using. To get any sort of image like that at all, at nighttime, you have to use flash. It does not matter how many lights they have around that pool. They did not have enough lighting for him to have clear pictures without using flash. It's just like, especially with that clear and with them moving, they would be blurs. The How fast that shutter was going, mm, 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 he was using a flash. He was using a flash, which brings me to point number one. Point number one? How the, how the hell did they not see his flash of his fucking camera? I made that same note. How did they not see it? I asked the same question. I like, I, it just, and then note number two, how the how long was he fucking out there? Because he stands there and watches as, like, they're standing around. They go in the pool. 
they go inside and then he stays out there for the minutes that they are inside watching nothing happen and then barb mm-hmm. comes outside and he's still there watching and watches nancy take her top off in the window that yeah. didn't happen right away you have to have at least five minutes of okay here's a towel okay let's go upstairs steve's gonna go grab some clothes they're standing there they're talking she has the whole conversation with barb like give it about five minutes realistic time wise so he is just stand there i feel like that would have to be at least 15 minutes for steve to like go get the towel and come back and like for that for that whole thing that would take time because i don't think that barb was just pushed out so easily and you see barb Mm -hmm. going and sitting at the pool like that took time so he was just out there for a very long time for that entire party watching taking pictures and watching and that is when i went nope zero nope Mm -mm -mm. do not like jonathan's creep i don't care jonathan i don't care how sad his life is i don't like it like okay i do care (laughs) his life sucks he had to grow up too fast his mother is not entirely there he's had to father his little brother his dad's a piece of shit he's very isolated from people at school i understand all of this it does not excuse being a fucking creep and in that case we will probably talk about this next week but the actions in which steve does i do not blame him we will discuss those actions because i know that is a long-standing debate because i've been a steve harrington ride or die for my entirety of the stranger things fandom experience and an anti-jonathan stand since this moment exactly and people like to try to compare steve and jonathan and i'm like but up until this point if we just watch these first two episodes steve is nothing but an upstanding gentleman he's very kind he expresses sympathy he never says anything mean the meanest thing that steve has done is push nancy in the pool before jumping in himself and that's pretty fun and she clearly does not seem to mind and everyone else is jumping in the pool and also then he takes and jonathan's just standing out taking pictures of everyone and when he sees that this is a moment where she is getting undressed and it's a private moment he doesn't even know that steve I, i don't think he can see steve in the window He's just taking he pictures can't. of Nancy. He's just taking. I mean, there is a moment because so I think much there's a picture creepier. of them later of them kissing. But that picture where she's just standing in the window is just her, and that's creepy. It's he it, he wouldn't know. So at first he would not even know that Steve is there. So he is just taking pictures of this vulnerable girl, presumably alone, not thinking anyone's there because he doesn't know the full story, and that's weird. I will say, mentally ill me from that time frame again i was in photography school so i was like the photographer the weird photographer boy oh my god i kind of like him blah blah blah. like why could you bring blah, 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 like all this stuff now after watching it a couple times Red creep boy, creep that's why my tattoo is not gonna have him in it <laughs> he's also not in that scene so yeah um other questions that i have um from episode two yeah who the hell is sandra no one important like they gave her a name for context this is whoever the hell hopper is hooking up with in episode two yeah she doesn't stick around i think she doesn't stick around and it's not the librarian right i don't think so no 
Okay. Because I was like, who the hell is Sandra? She clearly is not that important. But I will say that scene where she goes back inside and he's just standing there and it's like you see the door frame and his like full silhouette and everything. He's trapped in a prison of gorgeous. his own making. It's gorgeous. so good. It's so good. The, I just... The way mm. these first two episodes really tell you a lot without saying anything, which in stark contrast to last week where they had <laughs> to lay everything out and even laying everything out, it didn't make sense. This one gives us so little information, but we are able to follow, like nod and follow along like, yep, yep, I get it. I understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That shot right before going to Benny's with Hopper and the other police officer, not the deputy, but the other guy. Oh, at the cliff? Yeah. That mm-hmm. shot where it's just the two of them standing on that rock with the cliff face and everything. Like, just gorgeous. Just, it's, like, yeah. also, the comments that he made in the woods when Hopper comes to check on them and he they're like, oh, how is how's Joyce? And, and he's like, oh, she's like, you know, a step from the edge. And... The one guy was like, well, she's been a couple steps for a while now, hasn't she? And then Hopper's like, be nice. Her kid's missing. And he walks away. And and that guy just goes, they used to screw, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, that's just the only reason walk to be away. Nice to someone? The other guy walks away and he just goes, well, is that a yes? or?" Uh... <laughs> okay. So that actually brings me to a point. This is supposed to be happening in Indiana in November, right? Yeah. How are they having a pool party? Why is that pool not drained? And why are these people like walking around in light fall jackets? Oh, hold on. Let's look at let's um Yeah, look, please find what the average temperature for no early November, because it is early November in Indiana. Um highs are about fifties, lows are about thirties. So they're walking like I guess in nighttime scenes they are wearing more layers but they would not be at a pool party that pool would be winterized i would say daytime wear makes sense daytime i would say makes sense winter wear in the like nighttime makes sense pool party does not make sense oh my god like them being jumping into the pool would be so freezing i'm just realizing how cold 30 degrees would be jumping into a pool and yes it looks like it's a heated pool because there is steam coming up but, like, getting out, that'd be freezing. I think that it was meant to be a, a heated pool. Which, yeah, like, you can see steam coming up from the pool when you're watching. But that is still freezing cold to have to, like, be jumping into the pool. And then you're trying to get out. And then her clothes would be all wet. So she couldn't leave with Barb even if she wanted to. Yeah. Unless she took Steve's clothes and then she'd get in trouble. Yeah. We can suspend. I mean, maybe they have, like, heaters. Small detail. Another small detail that they just yeah. overlook. Um, that one bothered me. I made notes about the winterized pool, but which you know what I think they did is I think they said we know what we want to have happen at the beginning of episode three, so we need to put I think her. They there. wanted to have. I think they wanted to have a reason for Nancy to come over to Steve's house and a reason for her to have to get undressed, and the best reason they could come up with was she gets she wet in the pool yeah. and i think that because they wanted to do the lights they would need to have a reason for the christmas lights to be sold so they decide november and they didn't think through 
how to connect those beats. Yeah. Um, another thing about Jonathan being there that I just remembered in my notes, why is he going there at night to take pictures when there have been multiple search parties going through this area? Like, what is he going to take pictures of at night? Well, what would he be taking pictures of at night that they wouldn't have already seen? It just, I understand that they just wanted to have Jonathan there. Like, I understand for the plot it needed to happen. I just think Jonathan's dumb. <laughs> Which, by the way, this is still Tuesday. So this is still all happening on November 8th, two days after Will goes missing. All of these things are happening. I would just like to point that out for the timeline. Because each of these is like an, an is another day. Mm-hmm. And this is just so much happening in one go. I thought that this was taking place over a much longer course of time. And it's not. No, because um, he's only, the entirety of season one takes place over a week. Yeah, and that's that's a rough week. Uh, I would just like to point out that if Steve's house is that close to Mirkwood, how did he not hear Will screaming or anything? Or like, how did he not hear anything? And how did the Demogorgon not go to... Like, granted, maybe Steve wasn't home. Maybe he was making maybe out with Nancy somewhere. He might have been but... making out with Nancy. He also, the other thing, too, that I did have these notes, I do have this written down, when Hopper goes into that shed and closes the door he can't hear them calling his name so i wonder if there's some sort of sound barrier around where the demogorgon is going through that's possible and it could make sense like with the shed being a way in and out Mm -hmm. as well like if because then there's the goop hopper finds the goop after he can't hear them so mm-hmm. there could be a thing where if the Demogorgon is trying to leave, you can't hear it. And when Eleven flips over the board at the end of this episode, like near the end of this episode, I think that is kind of an indication like you're entering like this different plane. Mm-hmm. Especially because it doesn't seem like they have a set idea of how they want us to exit and enter the upside yet. down yet. Yeah. Well, and I think that it's very possible that within those planes and the way that you're entering and exiting – time and space and sound and everything get warped so i think to me that makes sense like i i could justify that as like okay i could see this making sense um i am so glad that steve does not ever smoke again after the part the pool scene yeah he smokes one cigarette and that's kind of it. And I kind of like that because he's trying to look cool. I know. And that's all he really does. Um, also, I would just like to say that Joyce, this whole time that Jonathan's out taking pictures, Joyce is at home sitting by the phone. She does not give a shit where Jonathan is. Jonathan, what is he even supposed Jonathan went all the way to Indianapolis that day to go see his dad. Yeah. And then came back and started taking pictures. And they cuts class, skip school to go do this. Joyce is none the wiser. And she's home all day with just sitting by the phone waiting for Will to call. And like, I love Winona Ryder and I love Joyce. But these two episodes, watching them kind of out of context of the rest of the series and just watching them, I'm like, oh my God. What? Do you, you just lost one child. Do you want to lose a second? Like, we this also is how have we lose remember, children. Though- it's not just her sitting by the phone. We also have to remember that 
she went to the place she she did go to her job demanded some camels to her job in an iconic moment she needs two weeks advanced pay this phone and a pack of camels and then she goes home is missing she sets it up she waits for the phone but then there is that entire scene where she gets another phone call the phone bursts whatever fries the phone fries the lights start flickering she walks into will's room she hears this going off the she hears she the radio the, going off she sees wall. the thing going through the wall she runs outside she hears the, the song playing again which we know is one of will's favorite songs because of that flashback with jonathan which i will say should i say or should i go was one of my favorite songs before this show because it was on a mixtape that my dad made it was on a cd mix cd that my dad made and i would listen to it because my car didn't have bluetooth or like any way for me to plug in my phone to listen to music so i would listen mm-hmm. to cds and that was one of my favorite cds like he just had made it years and years ago before bluetooth and stuff and that was one of the songs on there and it was one of my favorites and then it was in this show and i was like oh my god i love this show probably because i so love that good. song yeah, and like that's just speaking a fun of, moment for me. Speaking of wonderful song moments, um this and the movie from last week share a song. Oh my god, which song? Um I blocked out all of Sucker Punch to save myself. White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. So that was in it was one of the fight scenes. I think it was the World War II one. That is the song playing during that, and that is the song playing when Eleven escapes from the restaurant. Whoa. Um, I will say, at the end of episode two, there's a song that it shares with Umbrella Academy. The, um, I think it's Time, Time, Time. Hazy Shades of Winter. There we go. Yeah, because, yep, thank you. Um, Hazy Shades of Winter, because in Umbrella Academy, Gerard Way does a cover of it, and I love that song. Eh, I've never seen Umbrella Academy. I'll talk to you about it later. Sounds good. Um, continuing on with Stranger Things, kind of at the yes. end, because like we kind of jumped around a lot, but with the pool party at the end, with Barb, I forgot a lot of the finer details of season one because I don't rewatch season one very often. Yeah. And I could not comprehend why Nancy had so much guilt in season two over Barb and why she was acting that way. And now I realize Nancy told Barb to walk to park further away. Nancy made Barb stay with her. Nancy begged Barb to go with her to this party. Then Barb was like, I won't go upstairs with him. I'm not going to do that. She lies to Barb. Then she abandons Barb after embarrassing barb and peer pressuring her and making barb feel shitty at that party because that was nancy nancy did not have to make barb drink could have helped her with the shotgun and then didn't and then didn't really even help barb with the cut steve helped barb and then barb dies and not just that but barb was going to wait for nancy barb went down to the pool to wait for nancy to make sure that nancy gets home while Nancy is upstairs getting fucked. Barb and is having waiting pictures for her. taken of her by a creep. Yes. And having I, like Nancy's going through something else. And not to say that Barb's death is Nancy's fault, because there's no way that Nancy could have known. No. But the alternative is that Nancy had Barb walk 
three blocks alone in an unlit street back to her car in a wooded area yeah i don't want the neighbors to see my your car that i don't want the neighbors to see and when it's like well what's the worst thing that the neighbors could see they're still gonna see you walk up the neighbors are still gonna see not just that but three blocks away in a place blocks away from where a child went missing a day earlier yeah like nancy puts barb in such a dangerous position yeah and And i can see why like and now i'm kind of seeing it and i'm like recognizing like oh my god that is what keeps nancy up at night is that all of these things all of these actions that led barb there were because of nancy and there's no other way to cut it and while everyone else thinks that barb just ran away and there could be hope to find barb again nancy is then burdened with the knowledge of knowing that not only is barb dead and never coming back but it's her fault and there's no way she can ever ask anyone for forgiveness and i think that this whole thing between her and steve where steve is like let's just try and move on let's try and go forward you know this stuff i don't think nancy told steve how she felt about barb I don't think Nancy told anybody about what happened with Barb. I don't think that anyone, yeah, I don't think that she told anyone that it's her fault. So I think when she's, like, I think the only person who can kind of comprehend that grief and that guilt is Jonathan when it comes time for season two, which I don't want us to speak too much on it because I do want to talk about season two later on when we actually can watch it. But Mm -hmm as she's kind of like going through and like understanding this trauma, she is very much alone in all of it. Like it's very sad and it's very tragic. And it also explains a lot of her character in season two and like a lot of the growth and change that her character has as a whole, because like who she is right now, this like happy go lucky, like straight A student dating the popular guy, like whatever that is not Nancy from season two through four. Like Nancy grows and changes a lot. And I think she's one of the characters with the biggest like character change, honestly. Nancy goes from, I need to study Steve. You're such an idiot. You can't come to my house and sneak in. Oh my God, you're crazy to sawing off and committing felonies. And she's like, well, I won't miss. I'm not going to miss. I'm going to commit felonies and Molotov cocktails. And like, I am so, it's so sad that we don't get to see a relationship between Nancy and Eddie. Because I think the only person who could absolve Nancy of any guilt would have been Eddie. Yeah. Also, I just remembered that whole scene where Jonathan and Nancy are out. This is later in this season, but they're out doing target practice. And Nancy's like, ah, I'm a shot. Like, bang, bang, bang. Um, Maybe Will learned from the Wheelers and Nancy and whoever taught Nancy. Here's the thing. It's possible. And I could just be holding on to the wrong thing because I'm trying to watch these episodes without thinking too much about what's to come. So, like, some of these notes I'm going to be making and, like, these points I'm going to make are at this point in time, before we watch the rest of it, what is this supposed to say and what is this telling us and how can I read into this? Which is hard because, like, we want to keep talking about other points in the season and we want to talk about, like, as we already have, I want to talk about Eddie and I want to be like, where is Eddie in all of this? Because Eddie would still be a senior in this moment. 
Eddie would be a senior with Steve. But Steve is currently a junior. He's not a senior until season two. Because that's when he's applying for colleges. And then in season three, when he's working, that's when he's like, everyone else is going off to college. Right. Because season two is a year after. It's almost Yeah, a year and I think after. Nancy's Nancy and Jonathan are a year younger than Steve. Because yeah. Jonathan and Nancy are talking about going to college together. And I think that means that Nancy and Chrissy are the same age. Which means that Jason is also the same age as Nancy. Jason? Yeah, Chrissy's shitty boyfriend on the basketball team. I forgot that was his name. <laughs> what do you think his name was? I don't know. I just always think of him as preacher kid after that one scene, which oh, we will talk about when we get there. Because that scene, fucking... Mm. Anyways. Also, the relationship that we see growing between Mike and Eleven. It's very sweet. I don't think that Mike is ever going to dodge these gay rumors. Because he seems the most interested in Eleven when she has the shaved hair. Yeah, it's... <sighs> I don't know. Because when, when she comes back, like, when he goes out to California, he's... It's, like, kind of awkward and, like, weird. Like, he's very awkward. And I don't know. Like, and that's when she's her most feminine, I would say. Like, that's when her hair is the longest and she's wearing skirts. And, like, she's in her most awkward dress ever like that is the worst costuming for 11 but it's also when she's at her most feminine looking also the way that 11 acts at the beginning of season four i have feelings upon um girl is trying so hard i relate to season four 11 a lot more than i think i should i um <laughs> but back to season one so also this is the so two two moments in which when we see Eleven's powers the first being after her conversation with Betty when she stops the fan and that's yeah. the first moment that we go whoa something's happening here and then we have the moment where she slams two full-grown men into the ceiling and says fuck you goodbye yes and then we have her slamming the door on Lucas and she's like, no, we don't tell the adults. Yeah, um, she's like, no. And then they're like, you're a superhero. I know. Lucas being like, or not Lucas, Dustin being like, we wouldn't have like said any of those things if we knew you had superpowers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love these kids so much. I love these kids. The whole like, one of my favorite things in there is they do the whole like, yeah, you make promises. Like we can spit on it. And like, she's like, spit on it. And he goes, oh, like spits in his hand and then shakes dustin's and, and then, then in the goes background back, dustin's disgusted goes back to will or it goes back to mike and he has this whole saying and in the background you see dustin just being like what the fuck man and then wiping his hand that is more interesting to me than anything mike is saying because i just fucking love lucas and dustin so much yes i just though and i think what i want more of what I want more of in all of this is I want more Eleven and Lucas and Eleven and Dustin friendship. I do think that we... I want them interacting more. I think that we've been cheated out of a lot of Dustin interacting with people. Yes. We've because he goes off Dustin. his own... He, he does do his own adventures a lot, but I feel like... Which, if we want to talk about parentified children, season two Dustin 
is a case study in emotional mama's boys. Season two Dustin might be my favorite fucking Dustin. That boy is so done. He is a 40-year-old man in a 13-year-old's body. He have you watched that show? I love a mama's boy. No. Okay, it's a reality TV show. I love it. So you know that emotional incest that some moms have with their sons? And it's like yes. they're absolutely together. That is like that's how I describe season two, Dustin. His mom is like so in love with him and like so dependent on this sweet little boy that that's kind of all and like so he's a 40-year-old man because his mom is like can't function without him and is like with the cat and oh my god Dustin and Dustin's like god damn it this woman this bitch you know what I hear speaking of season two I know that season two is the first time we actually meet Murray more Murray but I swear when they are doing like the town searches through the woods for Will I swear to you I hear Murray yelling Will I swear to you, I hear him like, what? Like, and I know it's not, but that, if you wanted to tell me a conspiracy theory, I would believe that over the little clock edit that people do. People have lied to you on the internet. There is no clock. I rewound that scene four times just to keep making sure that I didn't hear a clock. Because we were like, the Duffer Brothers planned shit so well, you can hear a clock. And I'm like, no, you cannot. The Duffer Brothers, people need to stop giving the Duffer, Bro- Duffer Brothers credit where they don't have it. Like, give them the credit that they are owed. They have created an amazing show, but don't give them more credit than they're owed. Like, they've got some really good plot beats. It's just, they, no. And the thing is, I don't think anyone could account for how popular Eddie would become. And I think if it was just Eddie, it wouldn't have been as popular. It was Chrissy and Eddie. It was Grace Van Dien and Joseph Quinn that made that ship so good. And that made and the Chrissy, character so important. Chrissy was in one episode. Yeah. One episode. She was and in she's a star. One episode. Grace Van Dien and is a star. But also, Eddie, like, I think that the Duffer brothers greatly underestimated how easily people would fall in love with the burnout stoner wannabe rock a rock star. With little drug dealer cheerleader who is an angel incarnate. Which, by the way, did you know her dad is Casper Van Dyne? I think you told me that. We remember how we keep saying not to talk about future seasons and then we immediately go and talk about future seasons. So, anyway, uh, (laughs) for people who don't know, Casper Van Dyne is from Starship Troopers. Um, I just wanted to say that because I found that out and I thought it was crazy. Um, that is crazy. No, I will say I texted Margo I'm like we have to make sure we stay on track. We have to only talk about episode one and two, and then we didn't. But because it's okay. of me, I think it's my fault. We're... No, we're both doing it equally. We are both equally doing this, and it's okay because we're learning and we're doing our best. And like we could easily continue talking about about, which is why we're going to do a little mini series for season one we're going to do a mini series for season two three and four as well we probably won't do them all in order we're going to sprinkle other stuff in the middle but like this show is the reason because we were literally sitting in the taco bell parking lot and you told me i was telling you about a fan fiction that i hate 
you were telling us about fan like, fiction you hate and yeah. you were like we need to talk about this and there is a there's a voice memo recording somewhere of us talking about this fucking fan fiction i'm in the taco bell i'm at the pizza hut i'm at the combination taco bell and pizza hut that's where i am right now i would love to get some taco bell (sighs) actually i just want baja blast friday night baja blast baja blast okay to wrap this up episode one and two stunning foundation for the show like cinematography on point we didn't even talk about the soundtrack we didn't talk about the music i feel like we're gonna have to do a wrap-up episode where we just talk about the season i think i think we probably will have to do that but you know very well just well established characters and i i think one of my favorite things about this is that there are no perfect characters everyone's a little bit fucked up in some way and they do it in a realistic well done way because you love Joyce, you fight for her, you think she's amazing, but also she's kind of a shitty mom to Jonathan. She's a little Looney Tunes. There's nothing about her story that makes sense to anyone except us, the viewers. Exactly. She goes through crazy, like legitimately moments that should make her go crazy. Like if you experience any of that and then you have people coming in and being like, we found your son's body and her being like, no, he's in the walls. like anyways we'll get to that in a couple episodes but i think foundation wise amazing characters already in love with them i think that for this show this season this show is popular for a reason and it is this season that shot it into popularity it's true they think the rest of the seasons will hold up and do hold up but this season is kind of a masterpiece in its own you couldn't have the popularity of the show without a solid season one and the foundation of Mm -hmm. season one you do see echoes of the show like referencing back to season one and there are important moments um it's just it's really good and Mm -hmm. i do really enjoy stranger things and if people really want to i'll explain what my stranger things tattoo is going to be but i'm not going to say it unless you want me to so if you want to do that, find our social media and leave a comment on our episode post saying that you want to hear what my tattoo idea is going to be. You can find that at Eternal Slumber Party Pod on Instagram, ESP Podcast on Twitter slash X. You can also email us at Eternal Slumber Party Podcast at gmail.com. And. If you find our personal profiles, you get a pat on the back and say, good job. You're a little creepy, but thanks. You get a congratulations. Good job, buddy. Um, (laughs) Listen to our podcast. We'll be back next week to discuss episode three and four and probably reference the rest of the series as well. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, just keep tuning in. Also, please give us a five-star rating and a review. If you're listening to us on a platform that provides reviews, please give us a like, wonderful review. comment, subscribe, follow for more, review us, share us. Um, like I said, if you don't like us, send us to your worst enemy as a fun little prank. Um, if you like us, send us to your best friend. 
um send us to your mom send us to your dad send us to someone that you would like to be stuck in the upside down with my mom listened to the first 20 minutes of our first episode and said good for you honey i'm not listening to the rest of this <laughs> honestly i think our third episode is our best episode she so said far. that's enough for me <laughs> I think our third episode is the best episode so far. You mean the episode where we lose our fucking minds? <laughs> yeah. In the meantime, have a great fish day or not. The choice is yours. I'm trying to think of the Stranger Things theme song now to like sing out. And I can't think of it. <laughs> I was about to just be like. Dur, 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 oh my God. Wait, that's exactly what I thought too. Was just doing. Oh. Dur, 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 dur,